This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Uh, it's going to be so, so fun today. I, I can't wait. It's like I want to just stop preaching and get the baptisms going because there are some of you guys here who I've been praying for for a long time to get baptized, and you're going to do it today, and it's so fun. I want you to think for a second about that time when you had your faith awakening moment. The time when, when God spoke to you, or, or when you sensed that he was real, that he was more than just words in a book, uh, or more than just something that some preacher said on a stage, when God really connected with you. Think back to that time, and, and I realize for some of you, you maybe don't have that time, and I'm praying that today is that time, that God speaks to you, that, that things start to click, that he becomes very real in your life. But think back to that time, if you would. Uh, if you know me, and you know my story, you know that I've had probably three of those faith awakening times where God just grabbed me, where, where the words of the Bible came to life, came off the page, and just spoke to me. Uh, and one of those times was when I was 17 years old, and I was out uh, at a Christian camp. I went because my brother said, you got to come. There's a ton of really cute girls there. And so I went to this camp, like most 17-year-old guys do. And you know what? I went for the girls, but I stayed for the God. It was incredible. Uh, this guy was talking, you know, all about how Jesus loves us and how, hey, you might have walked away like this kid in this story, but if you come back, and he's telling the story of this son who walked away from his dad. He said, if you come back to God, God's going to run to you. He's going to wrap his arms around you, and he's just going to shower you with more love than you could ever imagine. And it's going to change your life. So I went out in this field that night, and, and I said, God, this is it. Here I am. Take me. I'm coming back to you. And I came back to God. And maybe you had a similar experience to that. That was 17, and everything was going great for a while. I had this faith awakening experience, this encounter with God. I started going back to church uh, with some friends, and, uh, and God was really doing some good stuff. He was, he was really refining some things in me, teaching me what it means to follow him. Um, and that was great for about a year and a half. And then I hit 19, and I started to get a little bit restless. I started to think, okay, this has been an incredible first step. God, you spoke to me. You met me. Uh, you forgave me of my sins. You drew me back to yourself. But in my own uh, youth and, and maybe naivete, I thought, God, there's got to be something more than just having my sins forgiven at 17 and then just kind of waiting till I die. There's got to be more to this Christian life than just going to church and singing these songs and hearing a pastor. And by the way, the pastor that I was listening to, in my mind, he's one of the most incredible communicators in the nation. But even he, I thought, there's got to be something more than, than this. You know, there's got to be something more to life than what I'm experiencing. I got restless, and I kind of uh, went to church when I felt like it, stopped going when I didn't feel like it. I'd show up on Sunday uh, every once in a while. But this restlessness continued to grow, and this restlessness got me on this journey of trying to figure out what does it mean now to follow God with my life. Not just to have a relationship that starts in a one-time decision, but to really follow after him, because that restlessness gave me disillusionment. I got bored with Christianity. Uh, I got bored with God, and, and maybe you've had that experience. As you think back, you had this faith awakening encounter years ago, but you've kind of become restless since then. You became somewhat disillusioned, and, and church just became this thing that you went to. It wasn't this uh, vital experience, and it didn't matter how good the worship was or how good the, the teaching was. You just kind of lost interest in it, and so you came and went. Uh, I think we all have, on some level of life, that type of experience somewhere. For me, it had to do with God and faith, and I began to wrestle with that, and I'll tell you more of that story as we go on this morning. But we all, I think, have this restlessness, the sense that something is missing at different points in our lives. If you're a student, uh, you think, man, if I can just get through school, if I can get through high school and get to college and, and get a degree, and if I can figure out what my 
my purpose is in terms of work, of vocation, then I'll go to work and I will have achieved everything. I will, I'll be there, man. I'll hit it. And then we get through a school and we go to work and we get a decent paying job and we realize after a couple of years, there's got to be more to life than just having a decent job. Do you show the average American actually switches job every four years? The average American stays in it for, I think, 4.1 years before they go on to their next job because Americans have realized there's something more to life than just having a decent job. And so we think, well, maybe it's marriage, you know? I'm single right now, but if I got married, then life would have meaning. And so we search, search, search for that that's perfect someone, and we find that perfect someone, and we get married. And then, uh, you know, a couple years later, as we kind of get into the routine of marriage, we realize, well, that actually isn't completely fulfilling me either. So, so what's the deal? Because then those married people think, well, if I could just be single, you know, then I could really fulfill my dreams, you know? It's like when we're single, we want to be married. And then certain times, and if you're honest, you'll say this when I'm married, I just want to be single. You know, that ring feels more like handcuffs than a wedding ring. I mean, not for me, you know, but like for some of, you know. Because, because why? We think, well, I thought marriage was it. I thought marriage was that thing. And if I just got married, then I'd find fulfillment that would last. And then we get married and we realize that, well, marriage maybe, maybe isn't it. So we think kids. Kids are the answer. If I could just get pregnant, if I could just have kids, and not if I could just get pregnant, that would be, wow, that would be fulfilling. But if you women could just get <laughs> pregnant and have kids, you think, well, then my, my life would be, would be perfect. You know, if I could just get pregnant. And you get pregnant and you have kids and you realize, man, if I just didn't have kids, I could do everything I wanted to do. You know, my kids are tying me down. You know, these diapers are killing me. And then guys, you know, we think, well, maybe I just need, you know, that, spe- that perfect activity. I need to, you know, get out and like climb that mountain, you know, or I need to go repelling or buy that motorcycle or I need to get more stuff, you know. And then we hit our midlife crisis and, and we buy that car or we climb that mountain and we realize I'm up on this mountain and now I just got to walk back down to the rest of my life, you know. It's like, this is, this is no fun. It's not what I thought it would be. I thought it would be fulfilling. I thought there'd be more to life. I thought God had more for me than this, but, but my job isn't doing it, and my family, as great as they are, they're not actually giving me lasting fulfillment. My kids or my grandkids, they're wonderful. I love them, but they're not giving me lasting fulfillment. And, and so then, guys, we think, well, maybe if I just, you know, if I look for a different woman in my life, you know, or maybe ladies too. You think, well, if I just got out of this marriage, if I just had an affair, then that would give me some excitement. That would fulfill me. Then I'd really be the man, you know, that I'm supposed to be. And then you get there and you realize that just destroyed everything. And so we're stuck with this question, what is it that actually gives us lasting fulfillment? You know, the list could go on and on. Maybe it's addiction. You think, if I just get that perfect high, you know, then I will, then I'll be fulfilled. But that high, we come off that And then we're searching for the next high, and we go deeper and deeper and deeper. And the reason is because we don't know our purpose. We don't know why we're here at a deep level. And we try to fill it up with all kinds of stuff that give us lasting purpose, lasting fulfillment. But we really don't know what God has for us. And so we get completely and totally stuck. But we've been in this series, One Week to Live, where Jesus, we see in the last week of his life, he has a very clear purpose purpose. And I got to say this, I don't know this to be 100% true, but I really believe that Jesus was never bored. I, I, I really, I highly doubt that Jesus ever sat around thinking, isn't there something more to life than this? You know, I mean, yeah, you know, salvation of the entire world and all that stuff. Yeah, it's good, but isn't there something more? I don't think he did that. I think Jesus lived the most incredible life ever. 
completely in tune with God and completely aware of his mission to the world. And here's the great thing about the story we're in today. We've walked through the last week of Jesus' life. We talked about his crucifixion last week. Ron talked about the atonement. Remember the, the at one with God, that we all search to be at one with whatever our God is. And the God of the Bible made a way for us to be at one, to be atoned to him. And now we're going to talk about what he does with his mission and how he transfers that on to us because he has a mission for us. And if we could actually know our mission from God, our purpose for life, we would find fulfillment, lasting fulfillment that would not go away. And it would make our marriages better and our jobs better and school better and our relationship with our kids better. It would make every area of life better if we just knew this one thing, knew our purpose and figured out how to end this restlessness. So we're in Matthew 28 and we're going to start in verse 1. Uh, now, after the Sabbath, it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they came uh, to look at the grave. And so Jesus was crucified on Friday. We got Saturday, we got Sunday. It's the third day. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and he came and he rolled the stone away and sat upon it. And his appearance was like the appearance of lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow, and the guards shook with fear. There were these uh, soldiers that were guarding the tomb. They shook with fear and became like dead men. It says they literally fainted. These guards with big swords and, and big, tough, strong men, you know, they, they shook with fear and they fainted. They passed out because they saw these angels. And we know if we read the Bible that angels were messengers from God. And so we know this angel has a message from God that he wants to give to the people. And in verse 5, the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid. For I know that you're looking for Jesus. He has been crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said he would. Come and see the place where he was laying. Because when we hear a story like that, that someone rose from the dead, we begin to doubt. So he says to the women, come see where he's laying. I tell you, he's not here. Then he says in verse 7, go quickly and tell the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. You know what really strikes me about this part of the story? See, up until this part of the story, we've had the disciples, these 12 guys. Remember, we had Peter, uh, who was kind of leading this band of 12 Jesus' best friends, who said, Jesus, I'll die for you. And then when uh, the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, Peter pulled out this little Peter Pan sword, this little tiny dagger, and he tried to cut off a guy's head, but he really just hit his ear. He's a fisherman. He's not a, he's not a fighter. He's not a soldier. But he was there with Jesus. These men are always with Jesus. But at the grave, these men are gone. And the women are still there. And so we got to ask, where'd these guys go? And I think they left because they had it all figured out in their head what their purpose was. They thought we follow Jesus for a few years. Jesus begins to rule the entire world, starting with Jerusalem and then working out from there. And we're going to rule with him. That's our purpose for the world. We're going to rule. We're going to have power. We're going to have strength. We're going to have authority. And so that's why they actually fought. As he was telling them, I'm going to die, they kept saying to him, well, who's going to be at your right hand and your left hand? Who's going to be walking with you? Who's going to have the authority to rule the world with you? They didn't get it. And so when Jesus is crucified, their plans are shot, and they think, my purpose is over. So what do the guys do? The guys run. When the going get tough, these guys went and hid, and the ladies showed up. Hey, <laughs> I mean, I am impressed. Yeah, ladies, give it up. 
I'm serious. I mean, in the Bible, I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I don't mean to be rude to us, but like in the Bible, the women always seem to get it. And maybe like life itself, we just have a hard time. The guys just run away. They just don't understand. But these women are there because these, uh, these women go to the burial. Jesus, these, Jesus, his disciples, they weren't even at the funeral. They weren't even at the grave. But these women go, and the angel says to him, listen, Jesus rose from the dead, and he has a new purpose, a new mission for the disciples. So go tell him, meet me on the mountain of Galilee that I told you about. And when you get to that mountain, I'm going to give you your purpose. I rose from the dead, and I have a plan for you. Don't lose hope. And I wonder how many of us this morning need to hear that message. Jesus is risen from the dead. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for your life. Don't lose hope. He has a plan for your marriage. Don't lose hope. He has a plan for your job, for your kids. He has a plan to to get you out of whatever you're stuck in. Don't lose hope. Jesus rose from the dead, and when he rose from the dead, he broke the power of sin in the world. He broke the power of death and destruction so that we wouldn't have to lose hope. And he gave us power to walk with him in freedom. But it starts with the call that he gives to the disciples. Now go to the mountain. See, we can't lose hope. We need to start following Jesus' directions. And so here's what he says to them in verse 16. The 11 disciples, they proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And they said to, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of the people there were doubtful. And Jesus came up and he spoke to them. And, uh, you know, different scholars have different opinions how many people are on this mountain. Some say it's just the 12. Uh, but Paul talks about actually a place where 500 people saw Jesus at the same time. And I, I actually think that maybe uh, there were more like 500 people on this mountain. Maybe this was the place where Jesus appeared to all of them. Because as these disciples were walking, they'd be, the story began to spread. Jesus rose from the dead. He's going to this mountain. I can imagine all the people going there to be there. And so in my mind, I see hundreds of people. And they're around and they're talking, what's going on? When's Jesus going to show up? I heard he rose from the dead. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Well, the women saw him. You know, we were hiding, but the, the ladies, they saw him. And so they were here and, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up and it gets silent. And we know it gets silent because it says Jesus spoke. And that literally means in the ancient language, it means that he broke the silence. That man, there was a hush, a pin drop could have been heard in that place. And Jesus walked up and he broke the silence. And here's what he said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. God has given me all authority. There's nothing that I don't have authority over. There's nothing I can't do. I paid the ultimate price. I took the penalty for your sins, and God raised me from the dead. And now all authority has been given to me both in heaven and here on earth. And he says, because of that, Because of my authority, because I literally have all authority, not some, not a little bit, I have all authority. What I say goes. Because of that, I have a purpose for you. I have a mission for you. I have a plan for you. And he says to them, therefore, because of the authority that God gave me, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You want a life free from boredom? You want a life free of discontent, of apathy? You want a life that is, is free from just kind of wandering and trying to figure out what's next? 
Here's the answer. Join God in his purpose for your life. And here's what it is. Go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them to follow Jesus. And I know what you're thinking. Well, that's nothing new. I've heard that. They call that the Great Commission, right? Just go and do it. Okay, I I get that. But here's the reality of it. If we actually did it, we would never be bored again. Because it doesn't matter what your job is. If your goal at your job is to make disciples, to help people experience God, and we're going to talk about what a disciple is. A disciple is just a follower of Jesus. Someone who's not just hearing about him, knowing about him, but it's actually following him. If our goal at work is to help people become followers of Jesus, then it doesn't matter what job we do. We have a purpose at our job. It doesn't matter how our marriage is. My goal is not to love my wife, simply to love her. My goal is to love her so that she's drawn closer to God and she experiences him and she goes deeper into following him. So it doesn't matter what's going on in my marriage right now. I can love my wife because it's part of my purpose. It's part of my calling. And so he says, go to everybody. Go to the whole world. He says, go to the nations, which uh, in the Greek is where we get the word, um, it's ethnos, it means ethnicity. Go to every ethnicity. Go to everybody. Not just one or two people. Go to everybody. Go to all the nations. And you and I hear that and we think, well, that's great. That's great. Maybe I'll do a Mexico mission trip sometime and I'll go to the nations, you know. Or or maybe I'll go overseas. I'll go to India at some point and I'll, I'll go to a different nation and help people become followers of Jesus. But That's actually not what Jesus is saying here. Those are all good things, and you should go. And actually, a few of our team just got back from building a house in Mexico this week. They went to a different nation, and they uh, shared the love of Jesus. It was awesome. But that's not exactly what Jesus is saying. He says, and there's an intricacy here. He says, as you're going into the world, make disciples. As you're going to, like, the grocery store, make disciples. It's the idea of as you're doing this. So I took my daughter Maddie and our dog Chloe for a walk uh, yesterday, in between rainstorms yesterday, and it was awesome. We went for this walk. Chloe is a seven-pound chihuahua. Maddie's a three-and-a-half-year-old little girl. Let's not get them confused. Um, we walk across the street, and there's this little thing of trees, and I look over, and there's a turkey bedding down in the trees. Okay. If you know me, you know where the story's going. And so I think, okay, I'm either sending my daughter to chase the turkey or my dog to chase the turkey, one of the two. And you're just like, oh, you're going to send your dog. No, I sent my daughter. I sent my daughter to chase the turkey. So she snuck up on the turkey, and she kind of flushed it out. And then I took Chloe, my, my little seven-pound chihuahua, off the leash. And Chloe chased the turkey to a tree and treed the turkey. This is a true story. My dog, my seven-year-old dog, treed the turkey. It was incredible. It was like an old yeller moment for me. I was a proud dad. It was like, this, you, this is incredible. Um, but if you know me, my goal of that day was not to go tree a turkey. Right? But if you know me, you know that if I see a turkey, I'm going to try to get it into a tree. That's just me. I'm going to either let my dog off the leash or my daughter off the leash. One of them's going to go, and we're going to, we're going to tree that turkey. Because as I'm going, as I'm walking along life, if I see a turkey, something in me just wants to chase it. That's just who I am. What Jesus is saying is, as you're going, if you're following Jesus, as you're going through your day, and you see people who are hurting, you're going to want to love them. And you're going to want to love them in a way that draws them to God. You don't have to go on a mission trip to do it. You do it right here. You do it at the grocery store or at work. He says, as you're going, make disciples. See, as we follow Jesus, as we experience who he is and the incredible reality of that, that just becomes a part of us. It's our great calling. Just, just go. 
Just walk out of this place and just go help people experience God. And teach them to do all that I've commanded you to do and baptize them. Now, this is an incredible call because it demands two things from us. One, it demands that we are actually following God. Not just hearing about God, not just coming and singing about God, but actually following him with our lives. Because if we follow him with our lives, then we're his disciples. And then we can tell other people, hey, join me as I follow Jesus. And then two, it commands that we actually know what God says so we can tell other people what that looks like. And and it plays out in different ways, but really what we're talking about is the whole thing we've been talking about for this entire year, which is taking hold of the life that God has planned for us. We're on this two-year journey called the Take Hold Initiative saying, you know what, I'm going to take hold of everything God has for me. I'm not going to be a victim of my life anymore. I'm not going to be an observer of my life anymore. I'm going to follow after God, and I'm going to do everything he says to do, and I'm going to experience the life that he calls me to live. And then I'm going to invite other people to do it too. And see, that's where joy comes. That's where passion comes. That's where true life is found. I said at 19, I had this kind of question, is there more to life than this? And at 20, I was sitting in a church in Southern California, and I heard this call. And it blew me away. As I realized that that's that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm here for. I'm supposed to help people experience God. And then I thought back to the book of John in chapter 19 where Jesus is up on the cross and he calls out these words. He says, it is finished. Do you remember that? Jesus calls out these words, it is finished. And here's what he means. He says, the work that I've done to bring forgiveness for your sins so that you can make a way to God is finished. I've paid the price, atonement. You can be at one with God because of my sacrifice. And then as I was in this church, and it's a big Southern California megachurch kind of thing with thousands of seats, and I'm in this church, and I look around, and it's half empty. And I realized, you know what? Jesus' sacrifice is finished. He did his part, but you know what's not finished? His mission to the world is not finished. And I began to weep as the full force of that hit me. That there were thousands of people within a mile of me who didn't know about God's sacrifice and what Jesus did for them. And for them, it wasn't finished. See, for them, they were still apart from God. Even though Jesus did this incredible work on the cross and he sacrificed everything and he rose from the dead so that they could have life with God and have a purpose and a mission, they still didn't know. And I said, God, that's what I want to do with my life. And I think that's what God wants all of us to do with our lives. And it's going to play out differently for you. I'm a preacher. This is what I do. I get to share with Jesus. I love to talk. You might not love to listen, but man, I love to talk. Um, And so this is how I do it. I don't know how you do it. For some of you, it's compassion. You're very compassionate people. I'm not super compassionate. I try to be, but that's not my natural kind of bent. You can ask my wife if you don't believe me. I'm more of an answers kind of guy. You got questions, I'll give you some answers. We'll figure this thing out. Some of you are very compassionate, and that's how God wants to use you to draw people into God to be part of this mission. Some of you are service-oriented, and you like to do service projects, meet the needs of the hungry, uh, care for people who are oppressed, and maybe that's how God wants to use you. Some of you have all sorts of different kind of, of gifts and skills that put you strategically in places to help people encounter God. I don't know what your plan is, what God wants to use you for specifically, but I know that his overarching will for you is that you would join in his mission. Because Jesus 
rose from the dead, and now he's with God in heaven, and he's giving us this call. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Because of that, go and make disciples. And it starts with a decision. And if you're here this morning and you've never made that decision to become a follower of Jesus, today is your day. You've heard this series. You know what we're talking about. There's a separation between people and God. It's called sin. It has pulled us away from our creator. And we can't get back to God, but we want to. We long to. Something in us knows that we're missing something. So we try to fill the void with all kinds of things when what we need is God. And it starts today when you make a decision. You say, okay, God, I'm going to accept your sacrifice. When you said it is finished on that cross, when you made a way for me to come to Jesus I want to take you up on that offer, and I want to come into a relationship with you. And if you've never made that decision, in a little bit, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you a chance to make that decision, to give your life to God. It will change everything. So it's a one-time decision, and then it's a decision to follow after that. And this is for all of us. This is where it comes in. Are we going to be followers of Jesus who are going, experiencing God, and then just inviting other people to follow with us? Are we going to be part of this movement There are maybe five or six hundred of us in this church. Did you know that there are like 57,000 people in Petaluma? And the majority of them don't know God? Does that break your heart a little bit? It breaks my heart a little bit. I don't want to grow our church for growing sake. I really don't. I like the size we are now. I, I like connecting with you. I like talking to you. But the mission of God demands that we do. The mission of God demands that we go out and we draw people in and help them experience God because there are like 52,000 people in our city alone that don't know Jesus. And that's heartbreaking. And so he says, as you go, just make some disciples. So we got to choose to make a decision for God ourselves, and then we got to choose to follow him every day and invite other people into that. I want to tell you, um, the first step that Jesus says to do as we follow him is to be baptized, and that's why we're going to have a baptism today. He says, go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do all that I commanded you to do. And I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. And so if you've made a decision for Jesus or if you're going to make a decision for God today, the first thing that you want to do is get baptized because it's an act of obedience. And why not start this journey by obeying the things God says to do right now? It's an act of obedience, and you know what? When you do it, you open the door for God's Spirit to move in your life. And I can't exactly explain how you do, but in the Bible, getting baptized and God's Spirit moving in your life are usually connected together. And it's an an incredible mystery of God that when we obey Him and do what He calls us to do, His Spirit comes on us in an incredible way. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized as an adult, today's your day to be baptized. Take that step of obedience and follow Him. You might be thinking, yeah, I don't have any clothes, though, to get baptized in. I wasn't planning on this. I'm wearing a white shirt. Don't worry. We have dark shirts over here on the side. We have towels for you. We're going to videotape this so that your family can see it later. So if you're worried your family won't get to see it, they will. We're going to have it videotaped. Your family will be able to see it. You might be thinking, yeah, but Kevin, you've been drinking this coffee all day, and I don't want you praying next to me with that stale, nasty coffee breath. I have Listerine strips. (laughs) So don't worry. You might be thinking, but I don't want to come up by myself. Bring a friend. Come up. Have them baptize you if they've been inspirational in your journey. But do it today. Why wouldn't you follow? God's given everything for you. He says, come, follow me, be baptized, and then go on this journey and invite other people into this journey with you. Can you imagine what would happen if all of us did that? 
if all of us started following after God, it would transform our city. I guarantee it. God's Spirit would move in incredible ways, and Petaluma would experience God, and Roanoke Park would experience God, and Katadi, we would know the living God, and it would be absolutely amazing. And it starts with us. And you're asking, well, how do we do it? How do we start following God? I have a pastor friend who recently lost about 100 pounds. Uh, and people keep coming up to him and asking him, how did you lose all this weight? This is incredible. You know, get, tell me what you did. And they're hoping I'll give him some sort of pill. You know, here's the magic pill I took, you know, and I lost all this weight. And he says, it's really simple, but it's not going to be easy. Here's how I lost all my weight. Diet and exercise. They're like, no, 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 pastor. Uh, what prayer did you pray, you know, to lose all your weight? And he's like, no, diet and exercise changed my life. And I want to tell you, if you want to be a follower of God, diet and exercise are going to make all the difference in the world. And here's what I mean by that. Here's your diet. Be in God's word every day. Make it a steady part of your diet. Let your mind think on the things that God says in the Bible. If you don't, you will not experience transformation. It's not hard to understand. It's just hard to get in that habit. Get in a habit of reading God's word and praying. That's your diet. Here's your exercise. Do what it says. This is why you didn't need to mark anything on your card today. This is not difficult. Read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. Go to the Connect kiosk. We'll get you a Bible. And then do what it says. Jesus says, if you're truly my disciples, you will abide in my word. You'll do everything I say in my word. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you want freedom in your life? If you do, make the choice to give yourself fully to God. In just a second, we're going to have our time of worship and baptism uh, and communion. And I'm just praying that it's an incredibly intimate time with you and God. I pray that it's a celebration for our friends who are being baptized for making that step. I pray that if you're here and God is stirring something in you and you've never made a decision to give your life to him, that you would pray and make that decision and you would immediately come up. I'll be standing over here. Pastor Rod will be on this side and tell us about that decision you made and then start the process of following Jesus by being baptized today. I'm praying this is an amazing time. So I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to come. And then as we worship in these next few songs, you can come up. You can go to the communion tables and take communion and worship God in that way. If you haven't been baptized, you can come up and get baptized at any point throughout there. You can stay at your seats. You can go around the back. I just want this to be an incredible time between you and God of worship. But don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let other people's experience be the experience for the day. Encounter God on your own. Maybe that means baptism for the first time. Maybe that means you take that step. Maybe it means giving your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe it means dealing with an area of sin that you just haven't dealt with. It's been kind of laying dormant and getting rid of that in your life so you can really follow him. Maybe it's making the commitment to be part of his purpose, to go into all the nations and make disciples and draw them to God. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, please continue to work in this time of worship and communion and baptism. Holy Spirit, I ask that uh, you would be stirring in every single person here, whatever that thing is for them, whatever that one thing is that they need to hear today, that you would be stirring that in them, and that they would respond. For my friends who are here today who know they're getting baptized, I pray this would be an incredible celebration where they come and publicly in front of the church say they have given themselves to you, and they're following after you. And would your spirit move in an incredibly powerful way as they make that commitment to follow? For my friends who are here today who have never been baptized as adults, 
but they are following after you, would you call, would you stir, would you convict them to, to come and be baptized, to have this incredible time of following you, to start this journey the way that you say to start it, to come into relationship, to be baptized, and then to go out into the world and invite other people to do the same. For my friends who are here this morning who have never made a decision for you, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be stirring in their lives even now. Help them to know that you are real and that your sacrifice for them is the most incredible gift they could ever have. Would you help them to know your deep love for them? Would you call them to yourself? Would you give them the courage to respond? And as we continue to pray, if you've never made a decision to give your life to Jesus, you can pray the simple prayer of surrender, of commitment to him. And I want to tell you, if you've never done that, today is your day. God paid an incredible price to draw you to himself, and he wants to to live life with you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to be your Lord and your Savior. And it starts when you make a choice to give yourself over to him completely. So if you've never done that, you can pray this simple prayer with me. And you can just whisper it right where you are. You can say it in your head. You can pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. You brought forgiveness for my sins. Today I accept your sacrifice. Today I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord, to be my Savior, and to guide me on this journey. Would you show me what it means to follow you? Would you give me the courage to do that? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.